0: Welcome to Net Zero for Nothing, the podcast from the National Home Improvement Council, connecting industry, government and householders on the pathway towards zero carbon homes. I'm your host, Anna, Chief Exec of the National Home Improvement Council. And in this episode, I'm chatting to Faisal Hussein, Chief Executive at DGCOS, Hicks and HICE. And now that's some good acronyms right there. Welcome, Faisal. And can you tell us a little bit more about the schemes that you run?
1: Thank you, Anna, for having me. It's uh, always a pleasure. Um, DDCOS, Heiss and Hicks, uh, at their heart, are all about consumer protection. And uh, they've been going for many, many years now. And all three are are more or less the same, but operate in three different environments. So DDCOS operates in the double glazing sector, um, Heiss operates in the renewable sector and Hicks in the general home improvement sector and essentially the way they work is we have a network of nationwide installers across all three schemes who have been accredited and vetted and the promise to consumers if you like is if you use one of our members then um, you will you will know that they have been vetted and accredited properly but also you will receive quite a number of protection mechanisms in place. So if you pay a deposit to the installer, um, your deposit will be protected. If if you've got any problems or you need some advice, you can give us a call. Uh, You will have free access to independent inspections, mediation and access to the ombudsman eventually as well. And also, in the worst-case scenario, if a member did cease to trade and um, you have an insurance bank guarantee, you can make a claim with that because if there's something wrong with with your installation and um, you want to make a claim on the insurance bank guarantee, then you can do according to their policy terms and conditions. Um, HEIS is also a, a consumer code and a Chartered Trading Standard Institute consumer code in the renewable sector. And what that means is that essentially the members within HICE have to follow a strict uh, code of practice um, to adhere to that as well. And we monitor and police them on an ongoing basis based on the code of practice for that.
0: Yeah. And you said that members across all schemes are vetted. How does that work? What does that mean?
1: Yeah. So... The way we vet uh, our members across all three schemes generally ninety percent is the same. The ten percent difference is based on the products that they do, and depending on the products that they do, we require a certain type of certification. So, for example, if you are a member and you want to do solar PV uh, or S or C for example, you will need to be a member of a competent person scheme and a certification body. Um, and obviously, uh, some people have already heard about. Uh, MB and MCS certified as well at the same time our accreditation process works uh, in a way where first of all uh, we do a background and history check uh, on the company and also on the directors themselves Um, and the idea is that we want to understand the type of business they are we look at reviews we look at you know their credit and history rating um, for the director we look at the Mm directors themselves do they have uh, experience in that area then we go on to um document control so we look at all the um, customer facing documentation their contractual paperwork make, the, make sure they've got everything right make sure they've got the right types of insurances in place because that is very very important yeah. um, and um the last thing that we do again like i mentioned which was the certification side and make sure they've got the right um installation practices, but also more importantly, the installations, accreditation slash certifications to make sure that they can actually install that, that job. Um, so it's a very comprehensive system that we have in place. And part of that process is, um, as an organisation, um, we don't accept anyone and everyone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, we um, we operate on approximately... 35 to 40% rejection rate uh, across all, all three schemes. Um, and because we want consumers to be confident and happy that uh, they are using um, uh, an installer who has gone through that process. Um, and that's something that we pride ourselves on.
0: Yeah. And why should consumers care? Why should they use somebody that's a member of one of your schemes? Why not just use, you know, anyone to do the work?
1: Uh, it It depends where you are what type of um, consumer you are, because um, if you 're a consumer and you are um, only interested in price if you like
0: mm-hmm. and
1: saying i'm all, I only want this thing and I want the bottom end price, for example, then maybe you might not use one of our members because all the protection mechanisms that are in place, you might think uh, I actually don't need that because most of the members that we have are they don't sell on price; mm-hmm. they sell on on quality, service, and on what they bring to the table. So they're never yeah. going to be the cheapest. Um, but if you're a consumer where um, you want to understand the benefits of uh, our scheme and, and and what what we what our members can bring to the table, especially with the protection mechanism and the peace of mind that we can provide them as schemes, then um, most likely as a consumer you will use. Um, one of our members, and we have seen over the years that um, if you're a, uh, if one of our members has told you and spoken to you about um, our schemes, and in particular, if one of our members just plays um, the video, uh, a two minute video where we have George Clark, who's our brand ambassador across mm-hmm. all three schemes. Um, he's talking to you about what the schemes do and how it protects you, then nine out of 10 times, you will probably choose one of our members because you understand it a lot better. And what better way of somebody telling you than George Clark, who works in that, uh, you know, home improvement area and arena?
0: yeah absolutely and it's about um as you say if if all you're interested in is commodity pricing and getting it for as cheap as possible uh, not caring whether the products that are installed are compliant to the appropriate british standards then you're not you're not probably the right type of customer for for your customers because they're they're wanting you know people who want to pay a fair price use um compliant products and competent persons um to know that they've actually had a good job done and a quality job done. And that peace of mind, you know that your job's going to get done right. And if anything does go wrong, there is protection built in. Because oftentimes with home improvements, as we know, it's not until you start work, sometimes that you actually can then discover that there are other problems that were unforeseen because they were hidden away until work started.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can't put it better myself, really, because the, the whole... the the important factor is for uh, a consumer to know is problems can happen in home improvements. They can always happen. And um, what you want to know as a consumer and as a member is that um, if something does happen, that they do have somebody to call and somebody to turn to and to give them advice uh, and give them some proper genuine advice. But also sometimes if we need to, uh, mediate between the two parties then we will mediate between the two parties and one of the most important things that um, we always say to both consumers and our members and it's a very basic thing which is write everything down in a contract mm-hmm. so <laughs> everything is very very clear what you are doing because yeah. so many times we've seen it where consumers and members will say well you said this and she said this and he said this yeah. and no, I didn't say that, and it's, well, just get it all down on a piece of paper, and everything's very clean.
0: Absolutely, and, and also, you know, it, it, it's a benefit to professionals to be members of your schemes, because, you know, it's it's often the time that we, we think of, you know, rogue traders, and we think it's always the industry that's bad, it's always, um, you know, the, the grey economy that's bad, but oftentimes, you know, consumers can always be trying to, get things for nothing or get things added on within a contract so it is it is protection for home improvement professionals as well that the protection does go both ways
1: Uh, it it does um, because one of the one of the things that we are most proud about um, uh, across all three schemes is if you join one of our schemes then as a as a member you have access to over 30 benefits now you know then benefits can range from Uh, us providing you with model terms and conditions which have been looked at and approved by a trading standards body Um, you might need access to consumer finance because um, your consumers are asking for finance so you might need some introductions so we can provide introductions to finance lenders and brokers Um, you know we can also provide you with advice in terms of how to deal with customers as well and one of the things that you know, recently where we've had to give uh, our members advice is the fact that um, some products are on a bit of a delay in terms of shipments. So mm. when you are buying, for example, uh, solar PV and battery and it's circa 10,000 pound, the, the members are asking us advice based on, well, the battery's on a six to eight week delay, but I can't have all my money stuck in there. So what can we do? Well, Again, it goes back to your contract and, and being very clear that, yes, you might require a deposit. And after the solar PV is installed, you'll require an additional stage payment. Uh, and then the final payment is based on the battery being installed. So it's very clear to, to you. It's very clear to your consumer. you both parties know where they stand. And you can actually move forward rather than going, yeah, I thought this and, and you thought mm. this. And and our, generally speaking, we have... Um, installers who want to join us, who um, believe in our ethics and ideals of what we're trying to do, how we're trying to do things, uh, believe in consumer protection, and also they want a competitive advantage because if they're a member and they're going up against a non-member, it's most likely they they, they are going to get that job because they can talk about all the protective mechanisms that they have in place um so it's a uh, uh, you know over 30 benefits for our members it's it, it's good because we're all about adding value to their business and we i can we can add value to their business from when even when they first start up to, uh, to the marketing to the sales process and, and even right the way through to us doing annual health checks on them to make sure they are complying with certain rules and regulations
0: yeah Brilliant. Fantastic. And so how did you find yourself um, as chief exec of these schemes? What was your career to get here?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I I started off in when I graduated, I I started off in marketing and then um, worked in marketing many, many years. Um, And then I got a call in 2010. um, And at the time, there was only DGCOS, the double glazing ombudsman scheme. And uh, the call was, do you want to come in for an interview? Because it's Double Glazing Ombudsman scheme, and we're looking for a marketing person, and you've applied for it. And you know, like many other people, I applied for a lot of jobs then. So I was like, yeah, yeah, no idea what they were talking about. And then when he said Double Glazing Ombudsman, I thought that sounds a bit boring. And then I agreed anyway to go for an interview. Uh, and then. Uh, and then I had a second interview with Tony Pickup, who's the the founder of of DDCOS, and and really his passion about consumer protection and what he wanted to do in the double glazing industry really shone through. And really from that point, I was I was sold. Um, and then I, I worked in uh, with the company in 2010, helped the company set up um, Heiss and, and Hicks. Subsequently, then I actually left the business for about 18 months to two years because I set up a couple of brands in the renewable sector mm-hmm. um, uh, which were uh, EPVS um, and, and that that did a, a different role but I set up that brand um, where well, I co-founded it uh, with a couple of other people and then and I was managing and, and directing that business and then I just got a call um, one night um, and it was a very simple call which was uh, both Tony and Richard, so Tony, the founder and, and Richard, the, the chief exec, wanted to step back um, because they have many other different business interests. So they said, basically, we want to step back and um, we want you to come and run the schemes for us. And literally, the conversation was yes. And and it's because I, I, I love the schemes. Mm. You know, I was there from day dot to help, to, help set them up, help run them. Uh, you know, the they're in my blood if you like. And um, I'm very passionate about what we do. So it was as soon as they said it, I went, yeah, that's fine. No problem. And your passion,
0: your passion does shine through. You're a non-exec director of the NHIC as well, um, in a voluntary capacity. And your passion for consumer protection does shine through at, at our board meetings as well. Um, What still gets you up in the morning? You know, you're passionate about it. What still gets you going? And I guess a little bit as well, what keeps you up at night? What's worrying you?
1: Uh, So what gets me up in the morning is consumer protection, believe it or not, because it's just when you think um, you've nailed consumer protection, something else comes up. And, And that's why our vision across the schemes is about transforming consumer protection. Because every day, every week, every month, something always changes in consumer protection. And to give you an example, there's, um, you know, we all talk about net zero, uh, net zero carbon by 2050. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there's, there's going to be in the next five to 10 years, there's going to be a lot of power purchase agreements and PPA models out there for consumers to benefit from solar PV and battery, um, they won't need to pay anything up front, um, but um, they will, whatever the electricity they, they use from the solar PV and battery, they will be charged for it. So again, that's a new, relatively new concept, a very early concept, and there's no consumer protection around that area. So again, something needs to be developed. And then you've got aggregation where you as a consumer, you will be able to sell electricity you generate to potentially your neighbour. Yeah, and
0: this is is the change from, at the minute we are all consumers of energy, Um, but the only way we can achieve um, low carbon and net zero and respond to the climate crisis is if the majority of consumers become prosumers. Is that that's that kind of space? you're talking
1: yeah, that's, about. yeah, that's exactly the concept because um, and it's a really good concept where you can potentially trade electricity uh, with your neighbours um, for potentially some money, but potentially even sometimes for nothing, because you might have an agreement in place where you're trading energy. And, and that's so things like that, where, yes, we know there are in the marketplace, you know, you've got. Electric vehicles now coming into it, you've got vehicle to grid. So, one of the areas that's not that's been discussed, but there's nothing really out there is um, electricity, uh, electric vehicle manufacturers Mm -hmm. um, give you a warranty for your battery. Um, But that warranty does not include uh, the fact that if you use your uh, battery, for vehicle-to-grid purposes, as in charge and discharge to the grid, then it's going to deplete, but it won't cover you for that. So there's a a big problem in terms of what happens when you use your electric battery in your vehicle um, for charging and discharging, but it doesn't go anywhere. And, and, And you can no longer do 300 miles, you're doing 150 miles because of that. Mm-hmm. and you try and make a claim, and it's null and void. So consumer protection is always evolving, and our job is that we've got to get um, going on it, if you like, and moving forward. Um, that's what we've got to do. Yeah. Uh,
0: and and how does the work at DGCOS Hicks and Heiss make a difference in this space? Uh,
1: for, for us, it's uh, mostly about... Um, g- For us, it's about keeping ahead of the game, talking to industry stakeholders, um, really understanding the issues that are going on in the sector, researching it. Uh, You know, part of what we do is we're part of NHIC as a member. And what we want is we know that NHIC has a wealth of information and resource uh, that we can tap into. And we want to be able to tap into that because. NHIC will be at the forefront of what's going on in, in the sector. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be ahead of the game. We need to be looking at issues, looking at things that potentially nobody is talking about. And that's something that we are really, really proud about. Because if you look at, you know, you mentioned about what keeps me up at night, you know, there's really two things that keep me up at night. As like anyone, the cost of living. So you've got fuel energy prices and food prices going up and, that's something that as a business, you know, we recognized and, and therefore we've tried to actually um, help our staff as much as we can uh, by providing, um, you know, additional monies, if you like, towards that to try and help them through that process. Because we're all about teamwork and we know that um, if we can help, you know, our staff, you know, reduce their headache, then... Mm-hmm. That'll be really nice for us. Uh, and then also um, mental health, you know, is something really close to my heart. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, we're going to be discussing about the mental health side of things. But, uh, you know, there's 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 a number of people out there, a number of tradespeople people out there, generally who are suffering from mental health for a number of reasons. And um, hopefully, you know, we can make a difference in that um area over the next six to 12 months
0: yeah so let's just come on to that you've dgcos um have recently carried out some mental health research um specifically around the glass and glazing industry um of the survey you've said that you found the results quite startling in, in what way
1: yeah so um i suppose the the, the backstory to reason why we did this was because of my conversation with a double glazing installer who i've known for over 12 years and basically um, what happened in that instance was I was just having a bit of a joke about um, you know you you must have loved up the last two years because you know I've been really busy you've plenty, made plenty of money and he said well I've not made as much money because I've had to put the team on the road a van, but also it's taken a toll on him because he's not had time to take time off you know he's had um, health issues as well Uh, And actually, from a mental point of view, it's been quite draining. Um, So that got me thinking, and I was really quite sad about that because I've known him for over 10 years, and it got me thinking, well, there's got to be others out there in terms of who potentially are suffering the same, Mm -hmm. and and that's why we launched the survey. And from the survey, I mean, we've got quite a number of stats, um, but just to talk you through some of the, the, the headline figures, if you like, you know, most of the respondents were male uh, and 45 years old who completed the survey. Um, What is interesting is that almost half of the respondents who completed the survey worked across all the departments, which means that really they are senior directors or owners, if you like, of the business because owners generally work across the business. Um, you know, 89.5% of the respondents have seen an increase in their workload since the pandemic. Now, that's what we would expect anyway. But 76.3% of them are experiencing burnout from the workload that they've had over the last two years. So, you know, that, that it has taken a physical toll on them and, and also a mental toll on them. And some of the, 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 the other stats that we have, which are, of people have felt stressed or very stressed in the last two years. 63.2% have felt anxious or very anxious in the last two years. Uh, And almost half the people have felt depressed or very depressed in the last two years. Now, when we asked them the question of what was the main reasons why you've had these mental health problems Mm -hmm. at work and... The you know it was too much work, staff shortages, um, consumer complaints, and the consumer complaints is more uh, uh, around where is my order?
0: Yeah, and that uh, links back to the material sort of shortages. Yeah, the challenges that 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 we've spoken about on this podcast before around material shortages. That you know there was Brexit, and then there was obviously the pandemic, um, which is still having ongoing implications. There's the Russian conflict crisis, um, raw material shortages, mining shortages. And all of this does impact each and every home improvement job from where, you know, you you can't just get stuff from merchants very easily anymore. Order times are long. Quality of products might not be where it should be. Um, and, And it all falls on the shoulders of, of the micro SME uh, sole trader in the home improvement sector and in, in, in the case of this study with, with glass and glazing uh, workers?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the the classic example is where a window that took five days to make was taking five weeks. And, you know, that, that timeline, if you like, of going from there was quite difficult to manage for, for installers. And... You know, when when they're in a situation where they've got consumers making a complaint saying where is my order and then they potentially are speaking to the fabricator or the supplier and potentially they are not giving them the correct information saying listen it's going to take another two weeks instead they're going it's going to take a week that passes on to the consumer and then guess what the consumer then rings up on day 8 to say where's my order mm-hmm. you promised me in 7 days so it's, it's really quite a, a vicious circle if you like and you know, some of the the response, you know, 86.8% believe there isn't enough mental health awareness in our sector. Yeah. And, and 60.5% believe there is a mental health crisis in the glazing sector. So, you know, one of the things that we said, well, what would help uh, in terms of the, the mental health side? Well, um, you know, the obvious ones are more understanding from customers. But if you don't tell customers what's going on, then potentially they will say where is my order and they won't be that happy um more staff i think across many different sectors we've experienced staff shortages um um and and i think the interesting part is that um you know when we when we look at how when we ask them the question of how we can improve things in the sector it was get orders right first time uh not enough young people in the work. Uh, not not enough young people want to work in the business. Mm-hmm. Stricter quality control from from poor manufacturing. Uh, and a very nice comment was, "You were already doing it by bringing the subject to our industry." Um, mm-hmm. And I suppose the the final comment is that, um, you know, somebody left, which was, you know, we need to get the youth engaged at school or college level showing them that this is a rewarding career when you may, where you can make a good living. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we need to think about for not only now, but in the future of engaging the youth to tell them about not only the, the, thing, the fantastic things that go on in the glass and glazing sector, but what a fantastic career you can have in the home improvement sector. And we need to start engaging them now because it's going to take five to 10 years for the recruitment to come through. Um, and, and I know there's many organisations out there who have started doing that. So hopefully, you know, we can... The survey is all about highlighting the problem, but uh, um, now it's about action. And, and hopefully with uh, the conversations that we are having with uh, bodies like NHIC, yeah. with other 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 bodies themselves, with charities that we can actually put something together that is not only appropriate for the glass and glazing sector, but also appropriate for the whole um, home improvement sector.
0: Yeah. Uh, It it doesn't paint a very rosy picture, does it? It, it, You know, as you've said, predominantly men, age 45, business owners, juggling lots of plates within their own business and and their own family life as well. But, you know, when you hear figures like 76% are saying that they're at burnout... 74% Seventy four percent saying they've got too much work. Fifty three percent saying they've got staff shortages. Fifty percent saying consumer complaints linked to material shortages because RMI is often at the end of end of the supply chain. And then again, almost fifty percent having to chase payments from consumers. It 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 links back to the need for consumer protection schemes like yours because it. If you've got a contract and everything's written down, it links back to having things much more organised so that everybody knows what is expected, because that then does take some of the pressure off um, the, the the business owners. But I know in your study, when I had a look through it, you know, almost 80% had not sourced any medical help. So at the minute, this is a, a relatively unknown problem. You know, the NHS don't know about this problem because it, it's not being spoken about. And 80% haven't taken any time off work as a result. So it, it seems to me is that, you know, the, the industry is at a breaking point, And this is a red flag that we do need to be taking note of. And I know we're planning to work with yourselves and our other glazing members to to look at how we can specifically tackle this in glazing. But we know that this is endemic across home improvement. um, These these types of statistics. But I want to come on to something because this is it is a it's a really positive piece of work. It doesn't have all the answers. I don't think anybody does have all the answers at this point. But it. It brings us back to the conversation, and it allows us to realise that yes, there is a problem, and we actually have an opportunity to make some positive change. But you're already making positive change with one of your other schemes, which is the Hick scheme, where you plant a tree on behalf of all of your consumers. What's that all about?
1: Uh, yeah, so that is the the high scheme.
0: Oh, high. I apologise.
1: Yes. Uh, so that as the high scheme. Um, operates in the renewable sector and uh it's basically a very simple concept which is uh just one tree is a charity who plant trees across you know um, a number of countries if you like and our uh, our promise is that every time a member completes a job on our system we will plant plant a minimum one tree via just one tree and and that is about again helping the climate, helping the future, helping things to move forward. And, and really, it's just a very, very simple concept. And, you know, I'm hoping that with this podcast, that people actually do go onto the Just One Tree website to say, actually, we, we want a, a piece of that, we want to have a look at it. And because, you know, we want more and more organisations to actually, um, anything that you can do to help the climate, we should do. And part of what we're trying to do is, is is do that via via our members but uh and we're doing it on their behalf
0: and how many trees have you planted to date
1: it's been probably about 15 to twenty thousand, i believe
0: yeah
1: um yeah. so we get a, a quarterly report all the time so it was an initiative that we launched last year mm-hmm. um so i should say minimum actually so um it's it's very good and we get a quarterly report from just one tree to tell us what's going on and a newsletter so it's very very good
0: brilliant brilliant so you're doing great things and it, it's not just about the the pound shilling and pence although obviously they're very important for everybody as cost of living crisis um comes comes to and we, we we have to while we've got a cost of living crisis we have to not forget that we've also got a climate crisis and it's trying mm. to find that sweet spot of where we can help Uh, and to us you know it seems really obvious improving home improvement across the board helps reduce energy demand which saves the planet and saves people's energy bills so saves the, the purse or the pocket as well um but as you know this podcast is called net zero for nothing um what can listeners do or what advice would you give to listeners that they can do for nothing that will make an impact and prepare their home for a net zero future and it doesn't have to be nothing it could be say less than 100 pounds but what can people what can people do today that's going to make a difference
1: Uh, I don't think I'm going to say anything new to be fair that other people have said but it's very simple things like turn all your appliances off and Uh, at the wall. yeah at the wall yeah don't leave any appliances on standby turn them all off of the wall mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the things is that you know if you have um halogen light bulbs for example convert them to led um, that will cost you a few pound yeah uh but little things like that dra- um, if you've got drafty areas look at putting some draft excluders in um and potentially even you know and this relates back to obviously the energy prices going up as well at the same time is potentially look at reclimatizing yourself it doesn't really count obviously because it's the summer now but in the winter reclimatize yourselves by instead of having it on 22 degrees have it on 21 degrees and it's the little little changes that you can potentially do as, as as a person that yes it won't have a a massive impact it won't be life-changing but it'll have a small impact and i think right now in this in this climate and in where we are in this world the actually the smallest impact has the biggest change and that will be my advice
0: and if every home did it there are 28 million homes across the across great britain across the united kingdom and if every one of those 28 million homes switched all of their appliances off when they weren't using them and switched lights off when they weren't needed and all of those simple things that we know, we hear them over and over again. But if we all did it, it would. And, and the only way that we're going to do that is is personal change and habitual change.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think it's um, it's one of those where we as individuals and listen, I'm, I'm guilty as anyone else uh-huh. is we've got to change our own behaviour. Now, that doesn't happen overnight, but we've actually got to retrain our brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be done. It yeah. very much can be done to say, right, well, every night it's, it's somebody's job or we take it in turns to go around and switch everything off or you switch everything off as uh, just a normal best practice. And, and so we as humans, if you like, have got to change our behaviour and smallest things will have the biggest impact. That's what I believe. And like you said, 28 million homes, if 50% of them homes did the the basic things, then again, it'd have a big impact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, uh, Faisal. And thank you for listening to this episode of Net Zero for Nothing from the Home Improvement Council, the voice of home improvement. Be sure to follow us across social media, searching for at the NHIC and NHIC UK and subscribe to this podcast, Net Zero for Nothing on Apple Podcasts or Podbean for future episodes. Thanks, Faisal.